Mike, turn your games down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Hubbard, and who's running across tortoises in the desert? What's a tortoise, by the way? Anyone know? It's like a turtle, but amphibious, I think. Oh. <laughs> not in, Well, it's not amphibious, but yes. Is that the land version? I always forget. <laughs> yes. Yes, the uh, the tortoise is the land-roving version of the uh, shelled shelled thing. <laughs> Except you wouldn't run, run across one in a desert in the first place, I don't think, nor especially not in this world. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's everybody's favorite skin job, Kenneth Sanity here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is Bill Tucker from The Gamer Looks of 40, and... Uh, Time to die. Can <laughs> we bring die. you another Patreon episode? This is not a Patreon episode. Patreon voted episode. That's all I should say. I am trying to continue. My goal this year, if I can pull it off, is going to be 12 movies that I've never seen before, and each one is on the poll. That's my that's my goal this year. Nice. It's a good goal. So, and we're we're in, for the second month. You will hopefully hear this either at the end of February or very very early March, depending on timing. <laughs> and how fast I work. But we are here to cover the 1982 movie Blade Runner. But we did not watch the 82 version. We watched the final cut version, which is what, 07, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I think that's right. Yep. Yep. Okay. And this so, is the director's preferred version of the film. Yes. And I have realized I never did. I was right. I never did see this movie all the way through. I saw parts of it, but that's it. Hmm. Probably the beginning and probably the end. And that's it. And then I just never. I'm, I walked away. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, no wonder you're confused. Well, I, I so let me first start by saying I, I kind of feel bad. I feel like this is happening all the time on this show. I think at some point in the past I have said I've seen this movie. I have never seen this movie. This was one of those like short, short, short list movies that I haven't had a chance to see. Oh. I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I have a, a, a friend of mine. This, this actually this entire episode for me is dedicated to Mr. Will Culberton. I used to work with him. He's been a buddy of mine. We actually workshopped the podcast together that fell through. It didn't happen. And I told him one day, like four or five years ago, hey, man, I've never seen Blade Runner. And he gasped audibly. He's a huge fan of this movie. So he says to me, Bill, if you, when you're ready to see it, you come over. He's got this giant 85-inch screen with the surround sound in the apartment. He said, we'll sit down. We'll turn off the lights. You have to see this movie in the best quality you can, the best way you can. And last night, I watched this on my computer monitor at 10 <laughs> o'clock at night because I didn't want to wake up the kiddos. So I apologize to Mr. Will Culberton for not seeing this in the way it was intended. But I feel bad. I feel like I've said I've seen this. And I start watching like, oh, shit, I have not seen. Damn it. Makes me into a liar. I'm uh, surprised. I am surprised, this. too. I'm really su I'm genuinely surprised. But I have a very bad memory. I feel like things just mumble in my brain. But uh, we'll talk about how we felt about it, I guess, in a bit. But, Ken, yeah. I'm assuming then you're the expert. We'll have to default to you on a lot of this stuff. I don't know if I'd say expert, but, yeah, I've seen this movie a few times. Quite a few. Yeah. You can, look at who you have. A guy who's never seen it before. Another guy who never saw it before. Yeah. <laughs> and then a film studies student. So, yeah, we're cool. We're fine. Yeah, I mean, you have to be I'm, now as a film studies student. Did you have to see this? Because I can imagine this being part of some curriculum somewhere. It was a part of some yeah. classes, uh, classes I did not take. But okay. I saw this long before I started college. Uh, this I think I actually saw when I was in my early teens for the first time. Okay, okay. I'm honestly surprised I've never seen this before. I'm honestly surprised neither one of you have. Like this is same shocking. Yeah, you I, know, it's funny. I could have sworn I had this like 
when I had Netflix and Netflix just had DVDs and they sent movies mm-hmm. to your house. I'm sw- I must have had this in a sleeve and then started watching it and got bored because I was a 22 year old edge lord. It was like, oh, well, I, I, I don't I, I don't know. But again, I have a very bad memory. So I I think I would remember this, though. You know, but this is kind of one of those movies that's always been in the conversation ever since it was released. And this is probably one of the most analyzed and dissected science fiction movies ever made. Oh, I hard, mean, hard agree. It, books upon books and documentaries. <laughs> and I mean, this puts like 2000 well, Space Odyssey to shame, I think. Not to shame as far as like quality, but it's just as far as dissection goes, this is this is it. This is like top bar as far as important science fiction movie is. Yes, that that's a very fair statement. I mean, I've heard people talk about it over the years. I just I don't know how I never like because I like science fiction movies. I like Harrison Ford, but for some reason, I just never watched this movie. I, I think I know the answer to this, actually. I have an idea. This movie is talked about so much that the more time you spend not watching it, the harder it's going to be to actually belly up to the bar and watch it. Fair. Because people yeah. build it up to be some mythical beast of a movie, and it's talked about so lovingly that, you know, if you haven't watched it, you almost don't want to because you <laughs> don't want to not feel the same way that everybody else does. It's a very emperor has no clothes situation. I 100% agree. I to just get to the point, I like this movie a lot. I uh, it is very very good, but there's not a lot to it. It's just a <laughs> just a film noir movie. It's just a film yes. noir movie in 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 the future-ish. Not, not the, our it's in 2019. So you yeah, know, 3 years ago. Or 3 years yeah. ago years ago but yeah i there's <laughs> there's not much to it and the themes explored other media has explored since but if i put myself in 1982 shoes this was must have been unbelievable but since then there are so many works of media that have used this movie as a stepping stone we've seen this already you know ai and robots becoming self-aware and what is life and what is understanding and what does the, not, not the meaning of life, but what <laughs> makes a human and, and does emotions make a person and decision and age, all the themes ex- explored here. We've, we've done this before at this point. So to Ken's point, I can see somebody watching this now with 2022 eyes or 2023 eyes and saying that that's Blade Runner. Really? That's what we, that's what I took a college course on. Really? That's okay. I can completely see that because, like, I I came into this movie with sort of high expectation, but also just like, okay, you know, I just can't believe I've never seen this, and I didn't, I didn't really enjoy the movie that much. But the second time I was watching it, while I was editing, I enjoyed it more when I was paid not complete attention. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is also me, so yeah, 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 fair. Don't take it, you know. I just I'm not a big movie guy or TV guy. Even like most stuff I watch, I I do other things at the same time can't do that with this. this, you, this no, not, you, this is not a passive watch. I don't know if you agree, Ken, but this for me, it's, it's not, this is really a movie that you get out what you put into it. Hmm. Well, the, the first time I watched it, which was over the course of like two, about two days, two sittings, or maybe one day, one day, but two sittings. I, I didn't do anything else. I just watched the movie because anytime I do it for the show, I got to take notes. So I always make sure only to watch the movie and not screw around. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And I personally think I had a, bigger appreciation for this after discovering philosophy in my own life. Like this movie, 
asks a lot of interesting questions. And while that may not have been the point of the movie initially, you know, once the art has been released, you can't really help how people interpret it. Yeah, I mean, this does ask a lot of questions and doesn't give a lot of answers, which I think is really good and what sparks this conversation because it kind of just presents the situation. Again, wrapped in this very, honestly, very straightforward, you know, uh, hard-drinking gumshoe story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah. I mean, and it's cool. And, and we can, we'll go, I, mean, I don't know if we're going to go beat by beat or not. I mean, this is movie has been, again, celebrated to. to death. I'd rather we, did the, we, we can, yeah. we can or not. But I mean... It, this movie, I will say, is stunning to look at. Yeah. This is a beautifully made film. I mean, just not even just from the technical standpoint, you know, just to technology and the future scapes, but from shot selection and you know all the cinema dorky stuff Ken and I could probably, and you too, Mike, you're getting <laughs> Yes, I, I thought of both all the, of you all while the watching film this. Dork I'm stuff. like, yep, it's that kind of I, movie. Yeah. Oh, I love how, you know, it comes down, the ship's coming down into the thing, and then it continues going down in the next shot when he's in the officer's room. We're like, oh, my God. Yeah, we, this movie is just beautiful for dorks like Ken and I <laughs> to, to just go. Like, is this oh, the first so scene good. of the movie? Like, you see L.A. from a distance and all the, the fire is shooting out and the city's oh, yes. all. Mm. Like, it, it, it sets you up for what you're going to get yourself into. Yeah. I mean, and that opening shot. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. My only complaint I was going to say is, why didn't anyone say, what is a man? A miserable pile of secrets. <laughs> well, see, Castlevania the Night hadn't come out. Or Symphony <laughs> of the Night hadn't come out. <laughs> That's what I thought. When he said, when he talked about, like, what what is a man? Like, you know, it does bring up a lot of philosophical stuff. Like, the idea that, yes, these people are created by man, but that they're still sentient beings enough. Like, this isn't... I'm, I'm watching a lot of Star Trek Next Gen lately, too, so... Oh, <laughs> that didn't help. Star Trek Star Trek dips into that well more than once or twice in its entirety. I'm, I'm, I'm restarting next gen again for like yes, the third so time. We'll call that the data conundrum. <laughs> yes. And then Voyager to Doctor conundrum. <laughs> uh, they spent a lot of time with the doc going to the holodeck and doing goofiness. Voyager's really sucks. good. Voyager's <laughs> really good. I'm sorry, y'all. Voyager's <laughs> real good. Not to get into that conversation. But anyway, yeah, I, and also like that opening shot. What this movie does really well is it communicates so much through the cinematography. And again, if you talk, you know, film people, a lot of the prevailing <laughs> opinion on movies in general is that it is a visual medium and visuals should convey the story more than a dialogue or acting or anything. I, I don't know, Ken, if you've heard this in film classes and such, but I've heard it said that you should be able to turn off the sound of a movie and still understand what's going on purely based on visuals, which means poor Kevin Smith, what are you doing making movies? But uh, <laughs> all right, first off, I'm going to interrupt you right here. Yes. Don't ever no, malign Kevin Smith in my presence. No, 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 no. I'm, listen, <laughs> listen, I grew up in North. I grew up in New Jersey. All right. Listen, he's he might as well be a senator at this point. I, 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 I've always said that Clerks is for me and not an unreviewable movie. I could never review Clerks because it's part of my fabric of being. I grew up with that movie. My, I just I don't think he's a terribly good director still, but. Uh, he has made indelible movies that have left indelible marks on me. So I can't, I can't say a bad thing about him. And he's a good egg and he's funny. Very, yeah, very funny. That he is. Anyway, sorry. I not to get off on a Kevin Smith tangent. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. I have to like Kevin Smith. It's, I have to. Anyway, but yeah, I, I, so this movie, and get that opening shot is really emblematic of that, where it's telling you a lot in a, in a small space. It's LA, it's future time, 2019, futuristic <laughs> flying cars. Yeah. Uh, I wish we were there. 
Oh yes, and, I think uh, if you're gonna be futuristic, like you, we, I don't think they realized it then, but like now, like you need to go like 200, 300 years in the future because we, yeah, we, we just we move a lot, but not that fast. Yeah. Well, see, we could have moved that fast, but let's be honest, Big Auto is stopping the flying car. Like, I'm pretty sure we all know this. I mean, they all definitely stop electrical cars, but I can see them stopping flying cars. And and the and let's add to the fact that that we can barely handle cars that go on the ground. If you get in a fender bender on the highway, oh well. A fender bender in air means you die. Yeah, you just die. <laughs> yes. You did. So and you crash into a building, and more people die. So I think it's just more the fact that we, hey, we can barely handle people. the vehicles we have. People have no fear when it comes like my I'm going to go a little tangent. I was driving down a mountain in New Mexico when I was on vacation and I was like freaking in a spot where I was going like 20, 30 miles. Just you never let go of the brake. And there were people passing me and I'm going the speed limit a little bit over and they, and they would speed past me. I'm like, you do know that one side is giant rocks that have fallen down off the hill that will fuck up your tire and fuck up your car. And the other side is death. Like if we go over this edge, neither of us are not coming back. <laughs> So, for some weird reason, Mike, when you were talking, just mentioning go, driving down a mountain, I, for some reason, picture like a cartoon and you in a little jalopy going and just like bouncing down a mountain like a like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It I don't not, know why. I've never been in a place where it also had a ramp that said runaway trailers, a runaway truck where you could go up if your truck wouldn't stop. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've been on. Yeah. I was not. Yeah, I was not happy. I was like, nope, never again. Never again driving to the mountains. <laughs> Here's a handy ditch we made just for you, truck. <laughs> so you don't barrel off the side of a... Here's a ditch we made just for you. Yeah, so people... I, You know what? I completely, People are dumb. So, yeah, there's no flying car. <laughs> they would be crashed. But I do like the idea of, like, the technology they show in this. I do like that the main technology that they're using to identify replicants, which they do have a little paragraph when this movie first starts off where it tells you what a replicant is. I think that's a nice touch. Reminds me of Star Wars, but it's a nice touch to have that you know, definition right there before the movie gets going. But like I, the technology that they use to identify is just a freaking the guy sits down and asks you a bunch of questions while he has something, you know, focused on your eye. And that's the way that they tell. Like it's a very simplified technology type thing. We have all this great technology, but the, it's just a test. Like it's a very weird science fiction idea. I don't know. I just, I figure in a world where you have all this technology, you'd have more like, a scanner or some way to check versus just asking the guy 30 questions. Yeah. But I think this is also, we, you know, we're also got to look at this in the lens of 1982. I mean, this is futuristic stuff for them. If, yeah. if we look at it with a modern, with a modern well, I mean, it's gaze, a, it's a cool yeah. concept. Like it just was yeah. weird to me, but I liked it. Like at the same time, I liked it because this is such a different world. I mean, it's supposed yeah. to just be technology increase, but I don't know. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I want to say I didn't, I didn't bother me. I just, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting take. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about this movie, really, is that, yes, technology is increased, but not by much. Yeah. Like, they have flying cars, sure, but they use the same neon technology we do to light the streets. Yeah. They use the same advertisements that we do. Oh, hell, Speaking they of even have Atari. Okay, I was just like, yeah, they uh, that didn't work out too well, did it there? Nope. <laughs> Actually, there's a fun curse about this movie that everybody who had product placement in this movie, something horrible happened to their company. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's funny. Yeah, you oh, should me, definitely okay. look it up. It's not funny because it's actually kind of sad and people's livelihoods were on the line. But uh, I, Sorry, I guess eh. I shouldn't chuckle. Sure. Well, Atari, I mean, Atari did his own self in, so. Yeah, I, I have you know, no sympathy for Atari, but hey, they're back, kind of. No, sorry. I mean, that whole co that, that Coca-Cola company, who's ever heard of them? Yeah, <laughs> they worked out okay. But no, that's interesting that a lot of these companies unfortunately went under. That's a bummer. This is also I about. had no problem with the product placement in this movie. I have no problem with product placement movies where it fits perfectly. 
like you're driving through a futuristic city and you see a big sign for Coca-Cola. Like yeah. it didn't bother me at all because it makes perfect sense. And you're also showing this world. Like it bothers me when you have like a random ad, like in a place where it doesn't fit, but in a place like this where it fits, like, you yeah, know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Like it's, it feels very lived in. Absolutely. Yes. And because of that, this movie is so unbelievably dense. Like every, every person that walks past on the street, they feel like they have their own story. Yeah. And that is something that I really appreciated about this movie is that it felt lived in, in a way that a lot of movies don't. I think that's a really interesting point. I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that the, the city itself, one of my favorite shots in the movie is when uh drunky Junkerson is on the, on the balcony <laughs> of his place. And it's got this really cool shot. He's kind of like in that top third and it's a shot. You can see like the entire street below how high up he is. And again, he had the whole street below and it's just this really gorgeous shot. And I, it's, there's again, there's tons of these shots in this movie, but I also love the fact how there is so much character in, in the streets as well. Ridley Scott doesn't just make streets. He the streets are always alive with again tons of people that you have pushed mm-hmm. through, which of course adds tension, and that's you know, obviously for pacing. But even just the fact that he's going to you know ramen shops on the street, which is a very real thing that in this new world of technology, you still have you know old people on the street selling ramen, or you know old. Yeah. It's just it has all that that um that richness to it. It's it's a it's a very well observed point, Ken. It's raining a lot too. I feel like in this always. Movie. Well, oh, it's it's this always. is film noir. It's just nothing but rain, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> Almost like tears falling. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, we'll get to the line. That's the thing. Uh, and I, I, I do find it interesting that you make Deckard like you know that they made him such an alcoholic. Like it, it does fit that theme, and it also fits that the guys you know you're trying to portray that he's you know depressed. He quit his job. He's no longer trying to no longer be a cop. Like it, it the, the alcohol I think just kind of adds to that in a way. Yeah, I thought it was good. It's it's very tropey, but yes. it also brings in some really interesting possibilities later on. And I also think it's also easy to swallow. It's very genre, you know. Yeah. It's again, this is genre stuff, right? And I think it's easy to if when you're going to have a movie with all these different themes and ideas, especially when the point is not really about Deckard. It's, he's, he's he's more of a he, he kind of like just moves things along. He's a bit of a catalyst because the point of the movie is all these higher themes of. You know, again, what makes a human a human and can a human cre- can man create human like things? And what's the what's the break point where something you've created is now self sentient has rights of its own because of the nature of its self sentience and right. And all the, that's kind of the, the big picture stuff. The, the stuff with Decker, you know, forcing a forcing a replicant to to have sex with him in a very, very uncomfortable scene. And I was like, yeah. yeah, and that's not a good look. I mean, but, I know they were trying to like defend that in one of the videos I was watching to be like, I'm like, yeah, you, you can't defend that. Like, well, again, yeah, yeah go ahead. Too. Yeah. Like if you're going to defend sexual assault, mm, history's not going to remember you well. No, no, <laughs> you're, you're allowed to, you're allowed to like a movie and say that was pretty crappy though. I mean, Again, movie in the movie world, but again in the in the movie's world, you may say that the replicant is a robot. She doesn't have the right to choose. A lot of these a lot of these replicants were made for that purpose, right? <laughs> they were made to for for sex work essentially. Yes, but it doesn't excuse that. You know, I mean, again in the movie in the in the language of the movie. You know, I can't get too. It's just uncomfortable to watch. Like, yeah, because it it kind of goes along with that. Like I I know like one thing they were saying is I mean because it's part about how, how does he see her. Well, 
based on the way he acts, I think it's safe to say he sees her as a thing still at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, because after even she saves his life, yeah. too. Like, and he still kind of just sees her like he's having a hard time coming to terms. But again, also a lot of it is that whole brain brainwashing, for lack of a better term, of the idea. Like, even with in our reality, like you have people that, you know, grow up in a certain era and the racism doesn't go away because they grew up with it. It's very hard for a person to realize, like, you were lied to, buddy. Even other things, but it, it so that's kind of how I took it too. But eh, yeah, I didn't like. I it's not, it wasn't not. as bad as like some of the movies we watched. No, show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll use, it'll use, But I say it's no reanimator. But I mean, what is? <laughs> oh God, so, I love that movie. Yeah, isn't it great, Ken? <laughs> Can we just go back and do that episode together? Just let the two of us talk about reanimator and the joys of that film. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, it's a uh, so that's uncomfortable. But I, Harrison Ford's greatness, I think he's 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 great. Uh, he's well cast. He's he's still early in his career, and he's already an old man. I know how this is because <laughs> he's only a few years uh, away from. He's only a few years removed from Star Wars. I, has that man ever been under thirty? I don't think so. I don't know, man. Like he's you know he he worked he worked a blue collar job. He was a carpenter. You know, he went to school in Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he went to college in, uh, I think, Ripon, Wisconsin. Oh, I know where that is. I, I, one of the, it's in my territory. Yeah. But, you know, he's he's a blue-collar Joe. Just a regular guy. Good old regular Joe. Just a, a regular lunch pail actor. He was. <laughs> well, yeah, right. After he Star was Wars. also a drug dealer at the time of Star Wars, but, you know, whatever. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Though he sold some pot, who cares? Oh, it's listen, pot. come on. Harmless. Harmless. Oh, uh, Please. Come on, you squares. Apocalypse now? Yeah. 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 He's in one scene. Okay. He's very good in it. Hey, this is also right at, this is before Return of the Jedi and after Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's a big star. Like, this is he is in star mode, and, and he's, this uh, movie collapsed like a cake. Oh, <laughs> it was it was not well received, and it did not make its money back. I don't did it make nope. its money back? No, no, it so. suffered the same problem as the thing. <laughs> Two letters, one movie I don't like. Et. Ah, uh, yeah, Et ruined a lot of stuff. I don't like that movie either. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. So I haven't seen it in forever. I I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I need to. I I've had enough Spielberg schmaltz in my life. Although I should say I like Spielberg. Come on now, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I need to watch E.T. again. I'm not trying to start a fight here, so I'm not going to. No, I don't. I listen. You're fine. I have no. I have no. Yeah, I have no. I I I haven't (laughs) seen E.T. in 20 years, so I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I guess I didn't realize that this movie bombed. I was it wasn't until right before we did this recording I was looking up and the budget was thirty million and the box office forty one point six million. Yeah, that that's global. Yeah, that's not very good. No. Oh no. It's not. And this is a kind of a hard sell movie, you know? I I think this obviously we, we can talk about the studio mucking about with it and the eighteen different versions of this movie. We just went from we went from everything. Our theme this month, Mike, has been studios screwing with movies. We had Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, this movie made less week. money than Little Shop of Horrors and cost more. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which don't get me wrong, I love Little Shop of Horrors, but it's yeah. no Blade Runner. It's a Blade Runner, right? Blade Runner is kind of like a high. I guess you could call it almost like a high art type of movie. It it's is. got it is yeah, for I, sure. Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's. But I can see it being a bit of a hard sell. But even though but it's, it's funny because you have 
I don't know how were reviews when it first came out because obviously reviews were a bigger deal I think back then they are now you know now you just get a viral trailer on there or something and you know, you're 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 pretty good you're gonna make your money back yeah. back then you were really dependent on Siskel and Ebert and your local newspaper I'm curious how the early reviews were of it like for example in 2001 that movie did terribly because the early reviews were horrible like That's what good. is this boring slow movie and then That's after fair. like third or fourth week because you know back in the 60s movies would run for two and a half months in the theater finally it started picking up a little bit but then after time of course now it's a stone cold classic yeah that's what people tell me oh really you're not a 2001 (laughs) fan not a kubrick fan wow interesting okay that's fair we we that would be i would love to have that conversation on a show that's not this but uh (laughs) i mentioned i love kubrick so i'd be very interested to hear why you uh don't like him as a director but we can Save that for another time. All right. Quick and easy. More ideas of stuff to do on the show. So quick and easy. It's not that I don't like him. I think some of his movies are great. Barry Lyndon is some of the most fun I've ever had in a movie theater. I just don't think the shine, the sun shines out of his ass like a lot of people do. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I'm the same way with David Lynch. I, I respect the guy. I'm not a fan of his movies. I don't, don't particularly like his movies too much, except for Racerhead, of course. But well, I know. also I don't think I've seen. We didn't mention this, but yeah, okay. Ridley Scott directed this movie. I haven't seen a lot of his movies because oh. I was going through some yeah. of his stuff. I've seen some. I've seen oh. Alien, obviously, multiple. Good. Movies. Oh yeah, fun fact <laughs> uh, that takes place in the same world as this. Does it really? Is that proven? Yeah. yeah. Huh? I did not know. Ow. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's on the Void Comp machine that it's the Wayland Utami logo. Oh, wow. Okay, that's cool. That is cool. I mean, remember, cause space travel is a thing at this point because everyone's off Earth. And, mm-hmm. you know, when the one replicants, you know, I'm surprised you're still here. And he's like, there's no housing shortage. There's no one left. So he lives in an entire apartment building. Sebastian, I think his name was. The, yeah, JF the genetic, which Yeah, the genetic engineer. Yep. Very weird character. That's great. I, I like him, too. I think he's. He's uh he's got this kind of like a, a coy sweetness to him. When he first said he was 24, I'm like, Pfft. and then he explains it. I'm like, okay, okay. thank <laughs> yeah, you. He, I did Come find on. that part a little odd. I was like, what the hell? But again, it's good motivation, right? He's got a genetic issue. He wants to figure out genetic issues, right? He makes his room of creepy, terrifying toys. I forgot how much I like rooms of creepy, terrifying toys. That is a very good creepy thing for me. I'm not I, surprised. Oh, I really dug his whole, just that whole thing. Adds for a, an amazing, amazingly tense scene when Deckard's kind of walking around looking for the, looking for Daryl Hannah, I think, play that part of um, yep. Daryl Hannah. Looking for Daryl Hannah. And wow, is that scene just tension, tension, tension. It's just marvelous. I wasn't a big fan of like, I just thought it was so weird when he goes into his house and the little soldiers that are walking around and everything is just, and like leading up to his building, like when he first goes in there with Pris. You have all like these dis- discarded mannequins laying around. Like it was just very off-putting. I think yeah. I want to. Okay, sorry, Ken. Good place. No, I, I was just agreeing. It is off-putting, and I think that's the point. Oh yeah, no, I, I agree. My fa- who is everyone's favorite creepy mannequin? We all have to have one favorite. I have mine. I don't like mannequins. No, no one should. But still, like, you know, <laughs> I, I, my, I really appreciated the one that was sitting next to him with the long nose and the wide eyes mm. and that weird metal thing in its mouth, and he's like looking around, like, no. Yes, yes, yes. So good. I think I just decided right now, as of this moment, that's what the Halloween yard is going to be this year. Just creepy, like mannequin ghouls with like horrible, horrible attachments to their faces. 
that's that's what we're gonna do for Halloween. People think you're referencing Silent Hill. Maybe I don't care what it is. Actually, I do have a secret dream. We have a very very quick aside for Halloween. We have a uh, we have a, our house. We have like a relatively decent side of piece of land that has nothing on it between the neighbor and us, and that's like a suburb. But so we have a decent chunk of land, maybe thirty feet across. And I just want to put like one mannequin in the center of this open little field thing with like dark hair in front of her face and like white like robe and just have like this grunge girl just standing in the middle of the field that's it <laughs> no one will want to come near no my house you. and then every like at night just have like a random strobe light shine like a quick burst of light on it that's all i want to do and i know the hoa would come well, down on me that. nope but i want to do it i can make that happen you do it up here they wouldn't care i know i live in I live in suburban nightmare land. Fine. <laughs> I live on a cul-de-sac. That's all you need to know. That's it. That's when life ends. Just so you know, folks. Don't steer clear of cul-de-sacs. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, honey. I like my, I like our home just fine. <laughs> I like our school district. Oh, so I am looking for that Waylon Utani thing now that he mentioned it because I actually have the movie on in the background while we're talking. Oh, and, and one scene that I want to bring up that I thought was like interesting, like. Because you you have him do that you have you see the test and you have him go to the Tyrell Co- Corporation, which makes sense because Tyrell is a corporation that you know is making these replicants, and the whole idea is that you have these replicants that went missing. But like the whole part of him going there and then like the guy just just brings up his assistant and says, "Oh yeah, here you go. You know, why don't you test her? You know, if like the idea, the fact that she doesn't know that she's a replicant, that she has all these memories that aren't her memories, and just like the part of me is like, this is a one sick fucker." Like that's kind of what's sad. Going it's my brain. terribly sad. I mean, and, and the actress yeah. who plays uh, Rachel is excellent. She's and all the acting in this movie is pretty much pretty much awesome. It's good. Oh, Sean Young. She does a good job. Whatever. She did a good happened. job. Uh, and it was very. It was very good. Like it's just to me, it just is something that kind of stood out. And then because like the whole thing is shortly after the scene where after she finds out she's a replicant because Deckard's an asshole to her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is. I mean, that leads to so many other, you know, like all because of that. And then she's being hunted. Like what I don't understand is why the corporation, because the whole thing that the movie talks about, how it's against the law to have replicants on Earth. So yeah, I, don't I, don't, under- I don't know if it gets into that. I, I wonder. I, I don't remember. I don't know if the film gets into that. Can do you do you have like insight on like why we can't have replicants run around on Earth or they is kill it- people? I think. Yes, I I don't. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I didn't I didn't catch that. Yes. Yeah, so and that yeah. could just be film just doing plot things um, for the sake of plot things. Yeah, perhaps. I'm, I'm sure I, I can think there's a comment about this. it, about murders and stuff, like something of that nature. And that's why they're in the other town or like in the not town, but the in the off world because of like, you know, no laws, I guess. Or I, I don't I mean, I think it explains it sort of, but I can't. I'm not getting anywhere. But I do think somewhere in this movie, there is a line that talks about it, why they're not why they're outlawed on Earth. It might have been in the opening, but it's somewhere in this. It is mentioned. So, so I do remember a, it. A very, a very, uh, a very brief Google search revealed: after a bloody mutiny against an off-world colony staged by a Nexus Six combat team in 2018, the law forbade replicant existence on Earth, except in the huge industrial complex where they were created. Like, I guess they were too dangerous to be out on their own. I guess. Which maybe, I, I guess think- maybe fix the bug. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think it makes perfect sense, the idea. Like, you created something and you gave it this much power and potential. Like, no wonder you're going to have issues. So, that's how I looked at it. Yeah, so it looks like it never really... It's not really been explained. At least at least in the in the world of Quora, which is where I go for all my information. 
<laughs> much more reliable than you know Wikipedia. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I, I did it. I'm not a film guy, as I've said on this on this on this podcast many many times. But I did appreciate like this was the kind of movie where I had to like really like I tried to really pay attention because there's just so much in the scenes. It's so well shot. Like it 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 really is. Oh. Every- yeah, it's and it's you don't even have to be, I think, like a film person to to appreciate it. I it, This isn't like this is why I think this is just such a celebrated sci fi movie, too, because at, it's, at its core, it's very accessible. And I think yeah. it's a sort of film art that can really be well ingested by a lot of people. I mean, this is not like, you know, the Cremaster cycle or one of those ridiculous avant garde nonsense things that someone forced per, poor Kenneth Sanity to watch in film school, I'm sure. <laughs> You know, on those godforsaken things. Hey, let's look at this glass of water evaporate for 15 minutes. Oh, for fuck's sake. Really? Really? I don't care about the subtext. Honestly, I pretty much concentrated in horror films. So good for you. Good for you. My brother is a my brother went to film school and he tells me stories of just god awful things that they make you watch. Oh, just look at this shot composition. He's like, for Christ's sake, it's a leaf. All right. Listen, where's where's the plot? Where's the story? Yeah, I, I can't go for any of that. Like, I, I think that's another thing with this movie that I was kind of thrown for a loop. That I didn't really understand. I didn't understand what the hell was going on half the time. Like, I understood he's being detective. He's trying to find these, you know, four replicants and they're calling them awful names all the time because they're all racist. Like. You know, I was, you know, I understood all that part. Like, I was like, okay, but it's just, I was just confused. Like, some of the stuff that was going on, it didn't make sense to me at first. When I started to rewatch this movie a second time, it, it made it, it's a movie you have to watch more than once, otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense. And it really rewards it. I mean, it, it's a very rewarding movie to watch again. I will definitely watch this again within the next month. And I will go and sit in the living room with the big ass TV and the surround sound. And watch it as Mike uh, Will Culberton required me to do four or five years ago. Yeah, I because I, I think it definitely will reward those those extra viewings. It will uh, for sure. Yeah, man. I mean, that's what I got out of this movie too. Is that you know you it was just it's just difficult the first time. Like one thing I was you know a simple thing, but I was also impressed how powerful their guns are in this. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the gun that the replicant <laughs> yeah. uses against Holden, the the first Blade Runner that you see in the opening. Like he just like just punches them through a wall with a gun. And then like when, when other people get shot, it just fucking murders them. Like, yeah, like, just, that's a powerful ass gun. Yeah. When uh, Rachel takes out Leon and blows off like half the skull. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty, pretty dope. <laughs> pretty good. Fan <laughs> of that. That but was like, cool. Yeah. I did appreciate like some of that brutalness of that stuff. I thought that was good. That's a brutal world filled with brutal things and people and, yeah, like there's a, one scene where they go inside like this frozen place because you have the two or two of the living replicants that are trying to figure out like to get to like, get in contact with their owner. I I could have swore that Chinese guy is the same actor. I didn't look up his name, but the guy from Big Trouble in Little China. Just the it way is. he talks. Okay, I was like, I swear it's, it's got to be that same guy. Shall I can't even remember the character's name. It's been a while. Lopan. Yes, but I was like. The voice. I'm like, the way he's talking, the way he's complaining, I'm like, that's got to be Lopan. Yep. James Hong, one of the, God, his career has lasted so long, 70-something years, I think. It's a long time. And finally getting his props for everything, everywhere, all at once. Thank you, James Hong, for everything you've done. Yes, but yeah, thank no, you. He yep. grows eyes here. I know. I was going to ask, what's with the eyes? I just like it because it's creepy and weird, of course. And <laughs> and I thank you for bringing up uh, Everything is Everyone, which is a wonderful film. Haven't seen and I, I saw, I read, I read an article today. Someone asked him, are you done making movies? He's like, no. He's like, like 90 something years old. He's like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to keep on doing this until I drop dead. Good man. Excellent. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Don't hang him up ever. 
Oh. Hey, he's Volpan, so he's in, he's okay in my book because I, yes, I love that movie. He's 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 a classic. So anyway, back to the Frozen Man. Ah, that's a good Halloween costume too, by the way. Ah, that'd be really cool. The tubes in your back and such, and the giant oh, coat. Yeah. That's cool. That'd be a deep pull too for people. Yeah, you'd get some respect at the uh, at Comic Con walking around in that in that getup. Right, somebody would um, recognize you. I wouldn't have, but like, yeah, they rip off his coat, and I was just like, man, these assholes. <laughs> it's cold. It's cold. It looked cold in there. Ain't, 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 ain't more. And they're putting like the eyeballs on him. Just just this weird mental. And I, again, you can overanalyze movies like this, too. You know, I think I think anything can be overanalyzed. Yes. Please. We spent two hours talking about Blade Trinity. Good God. Yes. Anything can be overanalyzed. <laughs> You're not going to forget that one, are you ever? <laughs> no. How could we do that? We talked less about the thing than we did Blade Trinity. That was a crime that this podcast has committed. <laughs> Got to do that episode over again. Anyway. It's, uh, I, yeah, this would be overanalyzed. I think a lot of it too is just creepy for creepy sake, which I'm fine with. And, you know, it's, it, it also, to me, felt very much for intimidation sake. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Which and I, I feel like we have to talk about how Roy Batty is one of the best sympathetic villains of all time. Fantastic. Just fantastic. I mean, we, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much you could say that's probably already been said a hundred times, but he is just glorious in this. And like you said, a sympathetic you know, antagonist who's just trying to survive. I want more than four years. And I think anybody, again, is that the sign of life? Your computer doesn't want more than four years. Your computer could die tomorrow and it doesn't know any better. Was that the sign of humanity? The desire to extend your life and want more out of life than what you're programmed to be? Like, is that, again, really cool, fun, interesting themes that are really good to talk about. And uh, yeah, he's just sensational. And of course, we can talk about his final speech, which is probably one of the most celebrated final speeches and you know, monologues in all of uh, in all of science fiction, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, Rucker yeah. Howard does an amazing job in this. So fun fact about Rucker Howard. Anybody remember when he died? No. 2019. Oh, oh. man, man. Okay. Oh, sorry to hear that. He's also in another good movie called Lady Hawk. Lady Hawk is good. He was also in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. I never saw the movie. It's a movie. Yeah, that's why I never seen it. <laughs> it exists. I've seen the Some, show. That's good enough. Someone thought that was a good idea. Uh, but yeah, he's sensational. I mean, he, it's just even in his final, the final confrontation, and we're bouncing all over the place. But I yeah, think again, for a movie like this with the provenance it has, if you're listening to this, you've seen it most likely. It's it, that final moment when they're walking around this just dilapidated, soaking wet, rotting building that's barely habitable by human beings. Just how just the energy he brings to that and this sense of I don't want to say silliness. I'm trying to place the emotion he has as he's kind of walking around, you know, dancing around bare chested, hooting and howling at the moon. I would say it's kind of anger for multiple reasons. I that's how I looked at it. I'll let Ken, I think it's almost like he's just drinking in life at, while he has it he's, and just reveling in this moment. My thought is he's taunting Decker. Mm, fair. Yeah. Because there's a line that Tyrell says at the beginning when talking about replicants about how they're more human than human, which is, of course, probably where White Zombie got I the song name I'm, from. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But it's almost like Roy is taunting Decker for not being able to keep up with a supposed lesser being. Okay. Like, I can, he's, he's doing the Captain America, I can do this all day, until he doesn't. Right, until he, he, again, he could have, but the thing is too, he could have dispatched Deckard at any given point. So you feel like it's almost like playing with your food, 
Yeah. Or is, or is he just trying to prove a point? Because at the end, of course, he saves Deckard from falling. Right. And I, of course, feeling like he wants to pass on the fact that, yes, again, is a robot capable of mercy. Yeah. Right. And that probably right not. Yeah. Proves that because Roy saved Deckard, the replicants can learn empathy. Yep. And how scary is that, that we built a we built something. And now that and that again, these are things that have been explored. And, you know, I'm fallout new vegas keeps calling his siren song keeps calling me but like fallout 4 explores a lot of that right is with uh with the, the sense yeah. sense and all that but again that's why going back to the beginning a lot of this may seem a little trite now for new viewers but at the time this was all huge huge again high sci-fi stuff you know that you know science fiction writers have been doing for decades and now it's finally on the screen in a very very digestible way. But yeah, I, I it's it's the ending too. And of course that final the final speech, his final, you know, few lines there. Evidently, according to what I read, and I try not to read up too much on it before doing this podcast, what I usually do more research. Because I want to have like a natural conversation. Because again, there's so much stuff, you know, mm. written about this. I want to have like this natural kind of just conversation to work it through. But I did read that the original scene was way longer. That speech was much longer. And the actor who, again, is escaping me. Rucker um, Hauer. Rucker Hauer, thank you. He he truncated himself yep. the day of shooting and said to Ridley Scott, this is what I want to be. And he's like, Scott's like, go for it. And cool. so basically he crafted that that scene. And it's so beautifully acted. I, I mean, if you're a fan of acting, good God. Again, you could take that scene and study it for a, for a week if you really want to. Just his oh, the little details and how he moves and the little hitch in his voice at that one certain point. God, just great. He's just so good. Ah, it's just it's just great. And he's Look. clearly having a ball. Oh. oh my god. He that man <laughs> gleefully gouged out the eyes of or the, of this creator of this creator. Gleefully, again, what a just horrifying way to go. Black, gross, and you're like, ah. And then I remember he made Alien, and I'm like, okay, yeah, of course. This is nothing new to him. This is no big deal. Nothing. You know, I'm really surprised we've made it through this entire call without saying the one thing that I thought was going to be brought up right away. What's that? Frankenstein. Oh, I didn't sure. think about Frankenstein. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't think about Frankenstein often in any shape or form, but you are right, Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this very much approaches a lot of the same questions that Frankenstein did. You know, and Reanimator. Who, yeah, <laughs> who is the monster? Right. Who is the monster? Right. And right. like, who are the monsters in this one? Are they the replicants? Are they the humans? They're not the replicants, in my opinion, because the replicants are acting the way that they are forced to to survive. That's how I looked at it. I mean, they didn't create themselves. We created, you know, humans created them and they put them in these, you know, I mean, they're created for slave labor, even says in this movie, like any, you know, it's the same idea of just you create, you know, you create something for that. It's, I mean, it's terrible. I think it does. And it does a good job of making you, I mean, that's how I felt about the replicants. I didn't feel like they should have been, I mean, and it's like just the terminology they use in the, in the opening crawl. It says when they, they don't execute them, they retire them. It's like mm-hmm. tomato, tomato. Potato, potato. Like, it's the same thing. Like, you're yeah. just changing the, the verbiage to make it sound not as horrible for what you're doing. Yeah, tell me that gun's a retirement party. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but again, if you look at it through the humanity's perspective, we didn't build these things to be self-aware. But at at the point they become that, 
as the creator, when do you realize what you've done and then have to make the, the decision, okay, we now have to treat these created beings that we've created like they are. Because at the end of the day, they just want more life. They want to live more than four years. They they want to just probably not be in the in the industrial complex anymore. But yeah. I think like you said, Mike, where you know humanity is still trying to figure out what to do with this. And by, besides, and these these replicants are like high, high end. I don't think there's a ton of these high models running around. No, next right? is, the next six stuff is yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah Rucker Hauer's character is a freaking like commando essentially. Yeah. The one that shoots Holden in the very beginning is essentially one that's for like more labor, like to move heavy pipes and things like that. It sounded like or heavy furniture. Mm-hmm. One, the other, one of the women that he, the one that has a snake that he guns down after like the whole strip club thing. Uh, she's another commando. And then the other one, Prism, was the one that almost kills him with her thighs, <laughs> which made me think of both and I. Uh, she's the pleasure go. model one. <laughs> what a way to go. <laughs> I, it's, it's, again, it raises a lot of interesting questions. And I agree with you. I don't think there is a real antagonist in this. I mean, there's plot, you know, there's plot moving antagonists, of course, right? And for drama's sake. But, you know, you can't say Deckard is, a, is an antagonist because. He's just doing his job. He's he's working off of what he knows. And while he has to be responsible for what he knows, like anybody who's living with some backwards thinking, at that point, it's not even backwards thinking. It's like it's like it's like me being um, upset about you know reinstalling Windows 10 because I have to like repopulate my hard drive. Like I don't care. Re- <laughs> do it a hundred times. What do I want to care? But if all of a sudden my my computer, you know. Condol- gives me some condolences after a bad day. Like, oh, I can tell you're having a bad day based on my webcam. I'm gonna be a little concerned. Like <laughs> this thing. And what do I do with this thing? I don't. I don't like when. I don't like when Alexa, you know, tells me to. Are you sure you don't want to make this a routine? No, robot. Don't tell me what to do. It's <laughs> no. my life. I'm the human, right? So <laughs> it's a very. And there's so many things to wrestle in this movie, and that's why I think it makes for a great conversation. Yeah. So there is a lot. There is a lot of interesting, you know, like ideas and probably stuff that wouldn't have been very much in the collective senses at the time in the 80s, early 80s. I want to say. I mean, you know, science fiction to that point still. I mean, again, you had some high science fiction like your 2001 Space Odyssey, which I will say here is a bit of a bore. It is. It's a long. It's a great movie, but it's a a boring movie. Listen, that space, that little dinky spaceship takes 10 years in a day to go into that spaceport. Okay, listen. That's a it's a movie that I think I should, I should get high and try watching and see if it's any better. But I might just fall asleep. <laughs> Is that an edible movie? Oh, no, you'd be right out. I okay, well, again, can't get into Kubrick movie, but it's hard not to. Right. Because these are similar prestige science fiction movies. Right. So it's hard not to make those comparisons. Yeah, I mean, that was like and everything. When I came into this movie, I was expecting more actiony. And like this movie is <laughs> I kind of not going to like this comment. But to me, it was boring. I was bored through most of this movie the first time watching it. Hey, you know, all opinions are valid. I know, but I felt weird because it's like here I am watching this movie <laughs> that is highly, you know, you know, cr- critical, like, you know, acclaim and everything. And I'm like, why am I bored? But I just again, it's my, you know, my type of it wasn't I wanted more actiony. I mean, I love Star Trek, so I'm OK with stuff that isn't I even OK with Star Trek first season, next generation, which is a lot. Of, you know, like Oof. I'm OK with slow moving stuff at time. But for this, this movie just didn't. I think the second time I watched it was a little better for me. Like I didn't watch all of it, but I was trying to watch it a second time and I'm currently watching it while we're talking. And like, you know, I think it's, I mean, like I think it's one of those movies that you really have to see more than once to really appreciate or even start to understand what the hell is happening. 
And I don't, I don't think you have to apologize for thinking something's boring. It's, it's a slow burn. I mean, this is not you. I don't feel like I felt it's, this is only a trim two hours. Like this, this thing is done in an hour 57. It feels like longer. Again, it's, it's, I'm just trying to put myself in like what kind of like a prestige science fiction there was at the era. I mean, again, this is like a few years after Star Wars. So we're all pew, pew, pew. And yeah, this is you know, a year after Empire Strikes Back. Right. See, and so we're we're in that mode. And then this really slow, you know, thoughtful, but, you know, slow art house science fiction movie comes out. And you're like, what is this? And I, and I don't think it's wrong to to think of it that way. Just like I don't think it's wrong to say that 2001 is a slow movie. That movie crawls. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Hey, it's. I, I I know people who adore 2001 say it's their favorite. Some people say favorite movie full stop. I like it. Don't love it. Again, for me, pacing is everything. But but Blade Runner itself as a film, it's a it's a bit of a mess. Like pacing wise, there's scenes that just end. It just end. There's mm. shots that are completely out of place. There's one shot in particular where I, I apologize. I'm so bad with names. As I flounder. What was happening? I might know. I, it's uh, uh it's, uh, it's so dumb. It annoys me. I just I, I'm bad with names. I can't I can't remember character names. It's a problem. So Roy, thank you. I'm sorry. So Roy, when when Roy is at some point, he might be just starting to go after. Oh no, I think it might be right after he kills his his maker. He there's a shot where he's it's he's looking down at something and it's completely out of context. Uh, I I feel like I'm floundering here. I I just I can picture it, but I don't remember where it's placed. But it's out of nowhere. I have to rewind it and like. Where is this happening in space? Like he's looking down at something and it's like a different colorization. The shot it goes from just like that, that interior, very orange, red candlelit to like this cold blue thing he's looking at. And it felt really out of place. There's a unicorn dream sequence. Like, come all right. Yeah. Come I mean, on with the, the only point let, done with that. The unicorn dream. Sequence. I didn't understand the point of that until I watched reviews that explain what they think the point of it is. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. What what can you can someone explain to me? Because I didn't get it. Well, Decker Dreaming of the Unicorn really has the context of what's his name? Goff? Yes. The Edward yes, James correct. almost mm-hmm. one. Goff. Yeah, correct. the detective that's with the yeah. or cop that's with the guy his old boss that keep coming to collect him. Yep. Like Goff at one point makes uh, an origami unicorn out of foil and the very end. Yeah. At the very end. And taken with the unicorn dream, how did Goff know? Did he know that Deckard was dreaming? Does he know what's in Deckard's head? What does that mean about Deckard? Mm, oh, yes. Yeah. Wasn't that also setting? They were also kind of setting up for a sequel, I believe, where Deckard ends up being a replicant. Is that I believe I read that as well someplace. Well, Ridley Scott came out and said, yeah, yeah, Deckard's a replicant. Yeah. You have that kind of thought after a, a bit. I think it might be a little ham-handed, honestly. I don't I, I don't like it as much if he's a replicant because I think you need that human element, you know? To, yeah, I agree. To I, out. I feel like in the context of this movie, you never know. I mean, also the guy is making origami figures throughout the movie. So that's how I took it, as it could be partly a coincidence. He made a unicorn. He's making other random things. I mean, I took it either way. I but it's very also, intentional. Really Scott came out with that. That was also long before the the sequel was ever made. I'm assuming, correct? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I I I I understand that. I actually had a funny feeling like, are they going to turn around and say that that he's a replicant? And when they did, and I was pretty pleased with that. We can also talk about endings. Oh boy, 
how this is not the original ending that was in theaters because no. again, studios <laughs> like screwing with anything because people are morons. Originally had eight versions of it. Something like that. Altogether, a, like they kept redoing it because they didn't like how it was. They didn't like the way it performing the audience. I mean, there's a lots of like I was reading some of the stuff about it before after beforehand. Like after I watched it the first time, I'm like this is just weird as hell. Yeah, there were a lot of really horrible test screenings because what happened was after this movie was finished, Ridley Scott got fired because he was extremely over budget. Like he just did not have a good experience nobody had a good experience in this one there was clashing because this wasn't ridley scott's normal british film crew he was making this movie in america and there were all sorts of problems so after production wrap he got fired and the producers went into the editing suite (laughs) chip chop chip chop they went yep and the test screenings were so bad that you know eventually you know we finally started getting things that are, you know, the earlier, the 90s director's cut, which wasn't actually a director's cut. Like No, he was, wasn't even involved with it, right? When I was no. when I was hearing about it. Yeah, no, he wasn't. They, they tried to get close to what he originally wanted to do, but they ran out of time. <laughs> so you yeah. run out of time for a movie that you're like already been released. You're just making another cut of it. Like, don't ask me, man. <sighs> no, I know. It's just corporate but this final cut is ridley scott's director's cut yes this is the one he had the most supervision on he's approved it signed off has basically everything that was removed and removed the terrible voice narration which um which uh, harrison ford has said over and over again i did not tank it on purpose because they brought him in after the fact after those test <laughs> not tank it on purpose. he's he said fly he's like i didn't tank it on purpose he hated the idea he did not want to do it but basically, he has said in interviews, I was a professional and I did it. And I did yeah. it to the best of my ability. But when you have terrible writing, and, and I'm sure we all watched the, there's a thing on YouTube where you can just watch the narration, you know, like the four minute video of just the narration. It is ridiculous. And it's so unnecessary because according to the studios, we're all morons. We can't figure these things out on our own based on context or yep. just maybe just leave it up to our imaginations. Oh, no. We need to know what a what a skin bot is, whatever they called it. Like we need to know the, the what that is and who Goff is. Like it's just because studios think we're morons, at least back in those days. And still, they still do. I'm sure they do. But uh, it's a very interesting. It's a very interesting bit of meddling. Fun fun fact about the uh, end, the real the, the theatrical ending, which of course has which could be. And I saw this last night again at 12:30 at night, as I do always for this show. <laughs> After I watch, I gotta watch other things, supplementary material. I they cut the 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 final cut cuts beautifully. The end of the real movie is fantastic. They sees the unicorn or Agami. He has this little bit of a realization, you know, realization. Maybe he's a unicorn. However you want to interpret that moment is fine. He leaves with his femme fatale, and boom, door closes. Credits. It's great. Yeah, that's how you end the movie. The uh, theatrical cut. Cuts to them in a car, a driving car, an actual vroom vroom driving car, which <laughs> the flying cars are also driving cars. I recognize that. But yes, still, they do have a, Yeah, but they, they do both. But they're in a vroom vroom car, you know, for tourists, whatever of the day. Love and they're just vroom, vroom. Uh, just drive and just dri- <laughs> and just driving down the lane like something out of a Sprite commercial. Like it is the stupidest freaking thing. And evidently those shots 
of the of the uh, mountainscapes were taken from The Shining. <laughs> I think that's what I read. Yeah, that is. I that that makes sense because I was told it's. I was watching one of the videos. And they said this stuff was taken from The Shining because this is also a a Warner Brothers movie too. Yeah, but this is not on HBO Max because fuck you, Warner Brothers. I had to. I had to buy this on Amazon. So. I had it on Hulu. It's on Hulu, and if you have a regular subscription, you can watch yeah. it on Hulu. And it is like the final Hulu. cut. Uh, we watch Elementary. We're we're, we're cornballs and the Mass Singer, so we're in. Okay. Um, no, I just, but I was just like, this should be on HBO Max. Is you know the whole point of like, but Warner uh, Warner Brothers when they got bought out by another company is just terrible right now. So that's yeah, that's a whole nother thing. And, I mean, I I also like I didn't really care for the detective part where he's going around like he's trying like his two other epicans he's trying to find. You have the like the snake girl. Like he goes through a whole thing trying to find her and go follow the the scale he finds in the guy's apartment, and then he looks at the camera. Like I didn't understand what the hell was going on at all for that part. I was very confused. Well, that's how he's tracking everybody down. Like he's getting closer and closer because there's four replicants that are out there. There's Zora, Leon, Roy, and Pris, and he's trying to track them down and through. Some, you know, forensic evidence like one does. Yeah, it, it wasn't Batman, so it didn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I actually kind of liked his gumshoeing, you know, his drunken exploration into I loved his little photo photo examiner, his enhancer. It was so quaint and cute. And I'm sure again, <laughs> 1982, you're just like, that is the science fictioniest thing and of course, the image it produces is the blurriest goddamn thing you've ever seen in your life. But it's still <laughs> it, it gets him where he needs to go. I see, and that's what I think. Again, this is this is why people are smart. They're smarter than I think. Like seeing studios expect, et cetera. For the most part, we, we can figure things out on our own. We'll fill in the blanks. Like I didn't realize that was a scale that he pulled out of the, the out of the bathtub. I didn't know. I didn't either until I it was put a piece of the on. thing. It was clearly important because he put it into a clear plastic baggie. Yep. Wouldn't have done that if it wasn't important. That's an important thing. I don't know what that thing is. Figure it out later. And if I don't figure it out later, oh, well, I can move on with my life. doesn't need to be spelled <laughs> out. And eventually, of course, you learn to stand on the skin, the snake, and all the rest of it. But it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I really like the, I did, I like the little sleuthing about, the kind of discovering things. Again, it felt like old, you know, 1920s, 1930s film noir movie, you know, that the, okay. the gumshoe getting to the bottom of it, which I, that's I have a fondness for, for those movies, your, your double I, identity. And I do not. So that also kind of, you know, colored my opinion of this too. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I did, I did laugh when he does the voiceover, when he goes to the, the, the one that's like a stripper, essentially the replicant. And he's just talking all like, he's like, oh, I'm from moral, moral, you know, whatever the hell he is. And he's just talking differently. That did make me laugh. Yeah. It's stupid, yeah, but it I made like me this. think of, like Big Trouble in Little China. Voice. Or like, he's like, I'm I'm here to party. Or whatever he <laughs> is when he goes to the whorehouse, essentially. Yeah, it reminded me of um, that scene from Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade where he's pretending to be that Scottish art, art critic. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's got a lot of stats to it, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He's, Harrison Ford is one of a kind, man. He really is. He's unique. He is but that also, unicorn. Like in that part, he he messes up on one of like the the voice goes away for one for like part of the sentence and he goes back to it afterward. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that too. Yeah, he loses it completely. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, come on, you didn't just want to reshoot this? <laughs> like he just seemed like he was kind of shocked out of it. <laughs> kinda, yeah. He, 
Yeah, he, he kind of lost it there. I, I think, and again, of course, I think in the in the text of the movie, I took it as again trying to get an emotional response. Like, are, is this oh. my is this my replicant? So I'm going to kind of be this heightened. Hey, I'm this moral investigator, and again, Except- trying to elicit an an unusual emotional response that a replicant would have. I mean, the way that he sure. proves it in this is she tries to murder me, so therefore she must be. <laughs> Well, she I mean, ran. I mean, you know, it worked. <laughs> sure yeah, does. But- yeah, it worked. It, it 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 flushed her out, and then I love the fact that remember too, because these replicants obviously are very lifelike. You get it wrong, you're a murderer. Yeah, and I think she's even asked like, "Have you ever killed a human?" And he's like, "No, Rachel I never does. have." Rachel yeah, asked, Rachel asked "Have you ever killed a human by mistake?" He's like, "No, I've never have." Always got it right, which I mean, I'm sure is why they why his, his old boss wanted them to uh, have one more time. turn. Like, I mean, his way of finding out is, well, she runs away. Well, it could have been anything. I mean, there's a lot of people who'd run away from a cop. I mean, just for, you know, not, there shouldn't be, you know, so I thought that was kind of like, okay, that brings on some other, other questions of today's age where you're just like, okay, you're dead. Yeah. But I guess maybe she had superpower because, I mean, she is stronger because she does throw him across the room. So oh, that yeah, probably helped him go, yeah, she's not human. And she just flies through those plate glass windows like nothing. Yeah. 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 I, I do think uh, it's funny. She just, her little like coat she wears, a little like rainproof coat. This is a see-through thing. I, don't know, I yeah, thought that was. It's a, it's a, it's a great visual. You know, she just grabs the first thing she can find. It's very helpful because nobody else in that entire scene is. They're all dressed in drab, you know, brown and black clothing. You know, huddling in the rain, and then you have this clear, very bright, visually distinctive half-naked woman running, half-naked woman running around. Yeah. You know, evading uh, her support. So, I mean, again, all for the service of the movie. But yeah, it's all that stuff's really, really great. Yeah, everyone beat the shit out of Harrison Ford in this movie. Like I think yeah, all four of them beat the yep. shit out of Harrison Ford in this movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's got some broken ribs, and uh, I completely—I I don't know why this came because I was thinking about broken ribs after his run-in. You know, he goes back to his his apartment, and Rachel is there still. I guess. Yeah, yes. she's hiding. Except if that part didn't also make sense because when he goes there, you have you see him to get to his apartment. He has to say. Deckard, you know, floor 93, and somehow she just slips into the elevator and gets up to where he's at, but hey, that's neither here nor there. But I was like, hmm. I'm pretty sure that she was just waiting in that elevator the entire time. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, that's exactly that's what I thought. All right. Yep, just waiting there for him. And again, it's kind of interesting how she keeps kind of going back to him, which again, is that showing that she has some sort of like a human style like an affection, or is this just her being a replicant and part of her Old programming, well, I, a conflict. I took it yeah. More as here's someone that has answered to the question that she has, and he can, you know, he'll talk to her hopefully. Yeah, fair. Mm-hmm. It's probably that's probably closer than yeah. Because the only it's other fair. person is her boss, which is a, I mean, as we can see in our own reality, which isn't as well, fucked up in some other ways. If you're a rich corporate dude, it's easy for you to avoid people. <laughs> so, Pretty yeah. much, you can you can play chess over the phone with uh with your weirdo genetic engineer friend. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's uh yeah I, so in that moment when he's when he's he's trying to get romantic with uh with her was that the music by the way in this movie is very strange but matches mm-hmm. the scenes beautifully I, it's just it's a great marriage of music and sound and visuals but it's very weird like i couldn't be bumping this in my car anytime soon but is that like a weird drony ambient version of can't take my eyes off of you I swear, I kept thinking of Frankie Valley, uh, like, <laughs> and then of course I'm thinking of the Deer Hunter, of course, and I couldn't mm. get that out of my head. So 
Yeah, is that is that? Because I didn't bother looking it up. It just. I wasn't paying I, It hit my brain. I kept thinking, is this freaking Frankie Valley? Because it's actually a pretty decent, pretty good idea. But I just, it just distracted me. I was curious if anybody knew, and I don't, I don't care enough to find it out on my own. So okay, yeah, I don't know. Uh, then that's a completely useless piece of information. Feel free to move on it's with just that. Just weird techno music. I mean, it's just weird techno music, probably for the time to kind of put that more futuristic. I did find it interesting when he guns her down. None of the cops or nobody like goes up to him and goes, "Hey, wait a second, why are you brandishing a gun and shooting people?" Like they just like you think they'd be on him a lot quicker before he pulls out his, be- you know, tells him like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm a cop. Like here's my ID number. Like you know, you can check me out." <laughs> it feels like in this world that's a common occurrence. Like. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing a lot of mop-up work. We're not being, we're not proactive in this police force here in <laughs> 2019 LA or whatever LA, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's 2019, LA. 2019 LA. We're not really proactive anymore. We're just kind of God, keeping that, a status quo. Those guns are just like, I know. I just couldn't get over how powerful the guns were in this, in this world. Like, damn. I mean, they're, but look at what they have to stop. Yeah. Fair. I guess replicants aren't as easy to take down. Like if you just like, they can keep going unless you like destroy them enough. He puts three shots into, uh, into yeah before she goes down. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like three good ones. And I think in the original, in the uh, theatrical cut, they toned down the violence as well because I guess a rated R movie can't have violence in 1982. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah, well, dumb, 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 dumb. But I'm, again, I'm glad this uh, that. But it's funny. I also was reading something about this where they made the the author made a very good point. Like if you saw this in 1982 and didn't know there was a the a, a director's final cut out there. This is still pretty amazing, you know. I am curious even with now, the dumb, even with the dumb voiceover and the stupid ending to see that version. I I think you just look at the you just go online. I wouldn't sit through one well, hours of going to. I can tell you that right now. But I'm curious now. I won't actually do it because I I mean I own the final cut. If I ever want to watch this movie, I'll just watch that again since I paid 13 bucks for it. But <laughs> oh, oh my god you paid so much money for it i did actually i was a little upset but i didn't want to rent it for four dollars i'm like i'll just buy it on amazon so now it's always on amazon with did, the few other oh, movies i own okay i was say did you buy a physical copy probably not for no stuff. i should have but i mean i was actually going to originally because i'd rather have if i'm going to pay 13 dollars or 15 i'd rather have like you know, a legit a, a physical copy of a movie but i was in new mexico and i didn't want stuff delivered to me where i wouldn't you know where i'm not home and just sits there and yeah, that didn't yeah, that's right. They don't have any like music or movie stores in New Mexico. I forgot about that. Well, I didn't go to any. <laughs> <laughs> I don't buy stuff from actual stores. I just go to Amazon. Yeah, was that a Walmart though? Just devil. Mike, Mike <laughs> Alberton's the modern man. Yes. Use the right, I just, auto mat. I order everything from Amazon, like for stuff like that. Like whenever I buy media products, it's all from Amazon. Also, the scene where, um, or the scene where, uh, hang on, sorry. I lost my train of thought. And to be fair, in the parts of New Mexico I was, there wasn't a whole lot because I got to travel like three. I did a three-hour drive, and majority of that I had no cell phone signal, nothing. I was not used. To, I'm like, I'm in the freaking middle of nowhere. Like it was weird. Yeah. I got drive through a check a military checkpoint. That was the first time ever. Oh, that's. They're like, let me see your ID. I'm like, here's your ID. Okay, you're a citizen. You can keep going. I'm like, okay. That's <laughs> fun and not concerning at all. Yeah, because I was near the border. So that's why. Hey, did you find what you're looking for, Bill? No, still looking. Oh, okay, I'll continue, continue vamping. <laughs> but I think, so yeah, it was okay, kind sorry. of one of those weird things where, like, I'd never been through a checkpoint before, so it made me kind of think. And also, like, okay. So the, the, then now I got it. So now the, so the scene again where, where Harrison Ford is now back into Sebastian's apartment and we're hunting down Pris and Pris is 
literally still like one of the mannequins. And again, <laughs> this like beautiful, that. beautiful shot of creepy horror and pain and death because those mannequins, there's one mannequin just going ape shit in the back. <laughs> 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 oh, it's so good. And, and, uh, and the I, reason I, why he yeah. goes there is because they hear about how Tyrell had been killed and JF had been killed too. Because <laughs> right. so, you don't see that on camera, but they, they murdered him too. Oh yeah, but, he he didn't he didn't make it. Poor sheepish, poor sheepish Sebastian. He was just trying to play. He, he wanted to just make creepy friends and play chess on the phone and live by himself in the big apartment building and just try to figure out his own genetic issues. And again, he gets his who knows what gouged out by by the big robot man. I, I just love that scene again. So tense. This is just is. something that you know Ridley Scott does beautifully, and a lot of his movies are just beautiful sense of tension and pacing. This scene in particular, in a movie that there's a lot of weird pacing things, again in quick cuts and things that just end because I guess they just had to. The pacing in that scene is just just nail biting, and that scene where you just basically see and see all those creatures, and you see you see Pris just sitting there. And it's like watching a horror movie, knowing the person's going to die. And you're like, could you just look down? Could you just look down? You don't know what you're looking for. You're doomed. Like watching a fly go into a Venus flytrap and yeah. the payoff is great. The lovely sound it makes <laughs> when she does her cartwheel spin. So, oh, so that's a good like fight scene, too. And I, I do really got to I get as I mentioned a little earlier. I did really get a kick out of the fact that she tries to kill him with her thighs. I just really like that for multiple reasons. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, one Xenia from Goldeneye. I always love that scene where she tries to kill him with, with her thighs. He's like, this is your your version of safe sex or something like that. But yeah, I just love that movie. But I don't know. I just, I just got quick. Plus, it makes sense. I mean, she's from the Pleasure District, so it, it all kind of fits into what they're for the, what they're going for. But I just thought this is yep. a cool way that she tries to murder him. How does he kill her? I forget like how he gets her off him. He just throws her off or no, he scene? falls. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like she pretty much overtakes him at, some, at one point, and he he's just not a very, drops. That's I don't really believe he's a replicant in this because, again, he's not strong or anything. He takes a beating. He takes a licking and keeps on ticking. He could be like an older model, you know. I don't. Yeah, but I mean, I think the human body, like, well, he's okay. The movie, but movie, movie, movie human body. Know, people take yes. a beating. Like that's a normal movie thing. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I quite buy. It. I mean, I I could I can see where it's coming from. And again, in the text of the movie, it did come to mind. We're like, oh, is they going to turn out that he's a replicant as well? But again, when it turned out he was human, I think it actually fits the themes a little better for me. Just because again, the replicant trying to at least let one human person know this is who we are and this is who we can be. And yes, we are we are on par with you. We're actually better than you. Which again raises the question: if something you've created becomes more powerful than its creator. Does it replace that creator or is it up to the creator to then figure out what to do and say, all right, well, what does this what does this other being need? Because now this is an intelligent being that's sufficient on its own. Again, all those great questions and themes. I feel like they have a special word for that. What is? Oh, that's right. Evolution. (laughs) Evolution. Oh, and I rewatched that scene. She grabs him by the nose. Then she drops him on the ground. Ah, heartwheels away from him. Then he grabs his gun and shoots her. Yeah, he just shoots her. Yeah, I remember that, that was. Then she starts like spazzing out, and then he shoots her again. Yeah, yep. really cool, really very freaky, terrifying little moment where she's just really skitzing out like again a broken robot. And, oh, and uh, another scene I want to I want to bring up right before that, like the way that she gets in the JF's apartment. I thought all that was very cunning or like very like completely believable. Like yes. she uses her 
you know, being being you know being a woman and, and using the fact that the man is going to be stupid and acts very defenseless, acts and lets him suggest like, oh, are you. You know, she says, well, I'm hungry. So she opens the door to let him, you know, say, oh, why don't you come on in? So that way he thinks it's his idea. And I really yeah. like that concept because it's, I mean, <laughs> it's how you're going to assassinate someone. That's the one way to do it. Yeah. Like that's, I, I think Sebastian is the one I feel the worst for in this oh, movie. By far. Yes. Because like, I don't know if he's stupid. I think he's naive, innocent. To I would say point. naive. Like he just wanted a friend. He just, I mean, yeah, she is I, pretty. So, yeah. I didn't take it as I didn't take it as sexual though. I I think I agree with okay. with Ken on this because I think he he was just being kind and yeah, almost a little childlike and just not even just naive. Like yeah, I, you said it perfectly, Ken. He just wants a friend. Yeah. Uh, I never took this as it. like him being pervy or like ooh, he, she likes me. I I think I took it as oh, she she likes me. She wants to let me help this person and have some companionship for a night. And if she leaves, she leaves, and that's fine. But, you know, I, I have somebody else in, in my weird torture chamber of robotic dolls that's not something I just built out of gene-splicing goop, like Bioshock or something. <laughs> I did, I'm not in a room full of little sisters. I I, I am actually, you know, I, yeah, I definitely there's a sweetness to him. And, and I'm really glad they they do, of course, say that he was... Did they say he died or they allude to it? They I don't, say he, he, they I'm pretty sure they say he's dead. Okay. They do say it. Okay. I don't remember them saying it, but I, I it's very yeah. briefly over the radio because yeah, before he well, goes to well, his apartment or wherever the hell that is, there's a comment about his body, a body being found by JS oh, or right, right, something right. like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so of course they yeah. killed him too. Well, I'm, I'm glad they didn't show it because he, he deserved better than that. Well, one, you know, having one guy get his eyes. I did not like that scene where when Tyrell gets his eyes poked out. I'm oh, like, nope. great. Come on. I thought of you. I was like, nope, mm-mm. do not like this. I also don't like, I mean, it's a good scene, but I don't, again, I don't like body horror and not really body horror, but like when Deckard is chasing after or the whole thing where Roy's chasing after him and he shut me when his hand gets, you know, when he grabs his hand and starts breaking his fingers. So I was like, oh, ah, oh, very good. I like how he just. And that could also be a thing about a, a, a replicant, if you could say that Decker just kind of puts one of his fingers back together. Just clonk. Well, yep. you can do it as a person, too. You, it's, you? You, it probably dislocated, I'm guessing, is that what he did? But Yeah, I mean, I think you can knock. I mean, I've never broken any bones in my body where I never, like, not. Like, I know some bones, like, you know, they're broken, they're broken. But I think with fingers, stuff like that, you could probably maybe put it. I don't know enough about that because I've never I been mean, in situations. I've never had a, a replicant dis- uh, uh, pull my fingers apart and dis- disjoint them. I'm assuming I just assumed that they were just popped them back into place. Like you can just get um disjointed or whatever they call it. So yeah, I know you dislocated. Can do it with your shoulders. I mean, thank you, dislocated. Thank you. Yeah, I know people do that. Like people, I've seen things like that where someone will get something, you know, and they'll push it back and they'll scream. Like I've seen it in real life too. I used to have friends who I, I had a friend who used to be able to like clasp his hands and then yeah, just uh, why do I keep one? I'm tired. It's a long day. I think today was. <laughs> he he could like pop his shoulder blade shoulders out of his shoulder blades and pull his <laughs> arms all the way around his back like a like a jump rope oh, and you. literally swing his arms behind him and then just pop his shoulders back into place like a goddamn transformer. It was <laughs> it was horrifying. It's <laughs> <laughs> freaking horrifying. Yes, no. he was a replicant. I, yeah, he was a replicant. I think because he does scream when he puts his finger back. So oh I was yes, thinking... of course he did. Yes, like I yes, mean because he was programmed to do so. <laughs> I mean. Uh-huh. I don't believe. I would still say, in the context of this uh, movie, I don't believe he's a replicant. I agree. I think he's. I think he's a human. I think he's a. Uh, is a 
a drunkard, unless he's programmed to get drunk after drinking, I don't know, an entire bottle of whiskey. He drinks a lot. Oh, I was always okay with the other product placement of Budweiser at the bar when he's at the bar because I'm like, well, yeah, that makes sense. I'm fine with that. I I felt like some of that stuff also enhanced it because that is real world what you would have. You go Mm -hmm. to some, you know, dingy bar where you're buying a bottle of alcohol, like they're going to have a Budweiser sign in the background. Like, (laughs) it's I'm going to I'm going to tell you right now this is exactly why Deckard is a replicant. Cuz he's a You drunk. know how all the replicants have that little kind of like orange shine to their eyes? Yes. Deckard has it. Does he? I looked for it. I don't He look- had it in the scene with Rachel in his apartment. I did notice something about that with his eyes. Uh, I looked for it. Maybe I looked, started looking for it a little too late, maybe. Okay, maybe I, I might have missed it. I kept looking for that. Like, is he going to have the orange glow? Which I get is, again, the movie telling you this person's a replicant. All right, all right, fair. I'm going to look at this again. Man, this movie rewards multiple viewings. Really it does. really does. I mean, I, I'm watching it partly a third time when we're talking, and I think it's also helping me kind of, like, catch things I... Oh, I do want to talk about the part where, where Roy shoves his head through, like, the wall at one point. They're talking to him. I, I've laughed my ass off at that it's part. Good. I thought it was hilarious. It's good yeah. comedy. It was just comedy. I'm like, I know it's not meant to be, but he's like, you know, I was just like, why do you need to shove your head through the wall? Because he's yeah. better than Deckard, and he knows it. Yeah. He knows it. Yeah, well, let's have some fun with this. I could easily just throw you out the window and be done with it, but why not have a little fun along the way? Like, in Again. the end, when he, when he does save... Deckard, the whole idea is supposed to be that he's showing mercy because he's, you know, humanity. Because he also does know he's dying, I think, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. He knows, like, his time's about to be up. But I also think that he has respect for Deckard because instead of begging for his life, Deckard just spits in his face. Oh, okay. Yep. And I, I, I really think that the main crux of it was definitely there's a respect there. And B, you know, my life can't be for vain. Can't be for, for vain. I can't, this cannot have all been for naught, and people need to know that we are capable of this, and I'm going to leave this in the hands of, again, someone who clearly I respect, he, he fought a good fight, and we, I need somebody to carry this message on, because if I just die and throw him off the bridge, well, I'm just a replicant who killed a cop, and now we're back at square one, the further restrictions, etc., which makes him really... The hero of the replicants, really. That's I also didn't realize that Roy shoves the nail through his hand on purpose. Mm. Oh, yeah. I Because when I must have been writing my notes or who knows what the hell I was doing, but I didn't. I just thought he must have stabbed himself somehow. I didn't realize it was on purpose. Yeah. Because he's trying to feel pain, I guess. He's trying to stop the the the, the dying product because his hand, part of it, I think, is his hand started curling up. Oh, that's what I think okay. that's the. And I think that's the sign like, oh, death is imminent. So I think he puts that nail in there just to, to delay his demise a bit. OK, that makes sense. I was just I mean, also, like the whole reason why he kills Tyrell is because like, Tyrell tells him that, you know, there is no like it, it's decided at birth, essentially, when they're created, how long they can live and too late now. I thought that was I mean, the guys, you know, put his own fate in there by doing that. So <laughs> Tyrell was pretty cool, too. Like like he was. He was probably, I think, the closest thing there was to an antagonist, but he wasn't really. No, not really. He's just a guy making things. Again, yeah. you you can say Solus Corporation, and that's that's fine. He just made. He's just he's a scientist. He's just making more cool stuff and trying to advance the technology. And yeah, we're gonna charge people for it. Well, the um, problem was he just kept thinking if he could, and not whether or not he should. Right. Him and Ian Malcolm. Yes. 
So, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah, no, you're right. It's exactly. That's a very good way of putting it and not seeing the fact that he is eventually going to create sentient beings who can make thoughts and decisions on their own and have feelings and have empathy, which again, raises so many interesting different questions as we're, as we are doing right now. Yeah. I don't even see him as a villain. I don't see this movie having a real antagonist in the traditional sense. I think it's a, a bunch of people and beings and creations who are just operating off of their own their own knowledge base, right? They're all acting in the way that they've been quote unquote programmed not to get too stupid about it. So yeah, it's just kind of this like weird confluence of events and they're just trying to survive. Yeah. That's it. It's a much better way to put the night. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what the replicants are doing. They're trying to find a way to survive, which any sentient being is going to do. You know, that's just what, you know, like the, the, the instinct to survival kick in at, at that point for everything. You know, a mouse, a bug, like it's gonna try human, it's gonna try to survive. So yeah. That's I think that's one of the ways to prove something is sentient enough. And that's like that's the stuff that I really wish it would have gotten into. Like not so much, you know, whether what it means to be human. I mean, yes, this movie is famous for that. But who gets to decide who's human? Mm, sure. That's what I wanted to see broach. Now, I have not watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine yet. Oh, I was going to ask you that. I own it. I've heard it's good. I've heard people say it's good. I'm curious about it now, so I'll give you a reason to watch it some maybe some point later this year. Well, I mean, Jared Leto's in it, so that's one reason I'm on. Like, I'm not sure, but I. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mike, it's Morbin time. I have not seen that movie, and I <laughs> I will at some point. I love Morbius. It's so dumb. That's what I heard. I heard it's really. Stupid. I have. I have not. I have not seen it. It's got the big dumb and it makes me happy. You know what? I'm sometimes here for big dumb. I just need to be ready for it. You know, if someone says this thing is just stupid, but just just lean into it. I am all about leaning into stupid these days. So I well watch Morbius. (laughs) It was on Netflix at one point, I think. So is it still? I don't know. I I'll watch it someday, but I definitely ain't paying for it. So I'll pay for it. I'm I'm, really you're you are buy this one. It is still on Netflix. Okay. Wait, so is, Jared, is Jared Leto in, in Morbius then? Yeah, he's the main yeah. character. He's oh, he is? Oh, see, I didn't see. That's how little I know. Okay. Morbius is a vampire from the Spider-Man universe. I like, wasn't Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club? He was good in that. Yeah. Yeah, he was good. Not in Lord of War. Jared I just, Leto is good in things. He's just not a good person. Is he a bad person or he's just a weird-ass person? Definitely he's a weird-ass person. person. I liked him in Suicide Squad. I don't care who hears it. I do not, but I don't like that version of Joker at all. Like, I just don't like that. Yeah, that's that's another conversation. I do want to have Ashley on the show. <laughs> oh, we should talk about like the final uh, whole speech that Rucker Howard gives Roy on, on the roof when he's about to die. All right, he's gonna say it. I'm not. Hmm? I'm not reading it. I can't read. It. I don't have I, it pulled up. Uh, <laughs> no, because then I'm going to try to attempt to do an impersonation, and it's too good for that. Too dear for my ham-handed. We don't need to read it. Out. I mean, we don't need to say. It. I just like just. It is a very like famous thing. Like, I knew of it. I knew like parts of the lines of like the rains on Kashmir and like the whole idea that he's like describing because again he was a he was a soldier yeah so it makes sense that he's describing like you know murdered people and you know fought and the whole it's just it's just very well done also I didn't really I didn't realize at the point when I was watching the movie that he he knows how close he is to death oh yeah like I didn't put that together I thought he was just being a villain and it's it's endlessly fascinating because what do you do at that moment like you listen. Being, I mean, Decker can't do anything anyway. Decker's all fucking broken from everything he's gone through. Right. But, like, all of these things that he's seen that nobody else has seen, like, you know, attack ships and the Tannhauser Gate. But that last line, 
all those moments will be lost in time, like tears in the rain. Time to die. Ah, chilling. It's chilling. Just to be able to face your own death and realize that everything you are is going to be no more. Powerful. And Why powerful? where the hell did you get a dove from? <laughs> <laughs> He's holding a white dove in this scene. I'm like, we're not. Oh, I, who knows? That just because also we well, haven't mentioned clearly it, but... that's to represent his purity, Mike. Uh, probably. I mean, also none no, of the animals are real in this because they even talk about like yeah, all the animals are like because you see a snake, you see an owl, everything is. Oh yeah, Tyrell's owl has the glow. Yes, it does. Glow. Oh yes, yeah, yes, it does because everything was created because I, I'm assuming in this world they supposed to be the idea that they did too much and that there's no animals now. Yeah. So, oh, and you are right, um, Ken, about Alien. Mm-hmm. I looked it up, too, and the first thing I just got was, yes. Just That was the first thing that came up. Like, just, yeah, there That's was no cool. question. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's super cool. I it's That, that final moment is really, again, other than being well-acted and just a well-drawn moment, you, gotta, you, you nailed it perfectly, Ken. It's, it's, you know, as human beings, you know, we're all aware of our eminent demise, right? And we don't know when it's going to come, you know, it, and we're all aware of that. And I think we're all, to a certain extent, fearful of it, right? Because it's a f- complete unknown. And Rob, again, again, is that another sign of humanity being aware of your own demise? Windows 10 knows it sucks because it has error codes. You get it. <laughs> but it's but it's it's not aware it's going to die, right? My car is not – my car will tell me I need an oil change. But it it's not – it doesn't know when the engine's going to seize, right? computers and robots don't do that. Living beings do that. And even like animals, I'm sure animals have a set of a survival instinct, right? They, they Wait. know, they know they're going to die. Right. So mm. what That's does why cats run off and hide? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. So it's, again, it brings up that really interesting question. You know, is this another reason? Is this, are we, can we, do we have to classify and to Ken's excellent point, who gets to make that call? Right? Is it the creator? Is it the created? Is it the superior being? Is it something that has to just be understood and evolve? Ah, oh, good question. Again, I don't want Alexa to turn into my evil overlord. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate for the court to just like plug itself back in. <laughs> That's why I don't have any of those things in my house. Listen, I movies like this make me want to disconnect every one of those godforsaken things and throw Alexa, them into a toilet. Yeah. I got a few, a few sitting around. <laughs> they, well, they come I for free people... because it's just, it's just the government and the evil agencies stealing my information. But luckily for them, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not interested. I am not that interesting. There's not much happening here in the Tucker household. I mean, Unless you want to steal me, talk about my podcast, and then you know, advertise it for me. Hey, you're welcome to cool. Amazon. Sure. Do you want to watch my daughter's shoulder as she watches Bubble Guppies for the eighty fifth thousandth time? By all means, <laughs> please feel free. Uh, but. I mean, I did, I did like parts of this movie. It just, it, it's it definitely, I, I would definitely, cons- I think I can see myself watching it again. Because now, like, especially if we talked about it and everything, I feel like at some point I'll probably watch it again. And I feel like Ken is uh, silently judging me. You're probably not, but I'm just feeling that way because I am fully willing to sacrifice my, uh, my, my personal security for the convenience of having a timer. I can just tell, hey, put seven minutes on a timer so I can cook some noodles. I am willing to like completely give all of my everything to a robot just so I can have it tell me uh, to be an alarm, basically. I'm not judging anybody. (laughs) I know know a lot of people that have those. And while I don't understand it and never in my damn house, like y'all do whatever. I respect it. I, I totally get it. And I respect it. And 
yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're not terribly <laughs> useful. Every time we get annoyed by it, by the way, Disney will does something stupid. Like I'll, I'll yell at the one in the, in the kitchen and the one in the upstairs starts talking. You're like, you're so stupid. I, I have to remind my wife, like this is like a $30 AI. Like this is not Star Trek technology. And we're all pretending it is. No. We're all wanting to go, Hey, a uh, computer, can you cross reference this thing and turn on the warp drive? And it's not doing that. It's basically turning on smart lamps and telling me how much time is left in the lasagna I'm cooking. That's really all this thing is doing. So a very good point, Ken. We can just have other things that are not connected to the world to do this. Oh, but uh, one last thing we, we should touch on. We, I know we talked about Rachel, but we didn't talk about the fact that she has memories. Yes. She's one of the new versions of replicants that they're trying to make where they're giving them memories that other people's memories that they're implanting in them. So that way they can like, because one thing that he brings up when he does test for the first time, it takes him over 100 questions to realize he's a replicant or wh- normally it's between 20 and 30. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and after that it. tortoise joke thing I came up that I started opening an hour and a half ago with <laughs> was from the op- one of the opening lines of this movie. Yep. It's, and she's, uh, again, just showing that she is a really, but he still figures it out. Like, he still goes, I think she's a, repl- she's a replicant. And he's like, very good. I think it's a combination of the fact that, one, he's been doing this job for a while. And two, the fact that the guy who makes replicants tells him, why don't you test this person? Like, it's not a yeah, coincidence. It's <laughs> you know, fair. so, I mean, you're in an area like, you know, you go to a Coke factory and they're like, hmm, how do you have, you have two different empty cups here of, of two different types of pop. One could be Pepsi, one could be Coke. Let me know which one you think. Like, they're probably both Coke. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty fair. <laughs> like, it's that same, I don't know, same idea I felt like. like. You know what you're getting yourself into when you go to a, a corporation and you're talking to the CEO. So, Or at least you should. Yeah, that's yeah. all I took it. I took it like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, coincidence. But all oh, the going to go into anything, I, I still don't think when... When he does see that unicorn that, I don't know, I took it very much as a coincidence more than him being a replicant. Yeah, I don't, know. I yeah. don't like that. I mean, I know it's the age old question that like, kind of went, you know, as the movie had started, but I don't know, I don't like the idea of him being a replicant. So it's fine. It was a dumb unicorn dream. I don't like dream sequence that that's just like unicorn. If it makes you feel any better, Rutger Howard doesn't like it that he's a replicant. Harrison Ford doesn't like it that he's a replicant. All I need them. That's all like, I need. You're in good company. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll take whatever Blade Runner 2049 says, because, again, it's been that many years. Like, it is a canon sequel. Like, I'm OK with whatever that That's movie fine. says yeah. at that point. It doesn't hurt my feelings either way. It's just more of kind of me for, like, this thematically. I know? also can't. Be- I mean, like, this is also right. This movie even got a sequel, what, 30 some years later? Yeah. I mean, That's how always- important this movie is. Yeah. I was also really thrown off by the ending, how it just ends, like in the final cut version where he just he leaves the apartment, go with goes takes her and just leaves. Like I was very it, thrown off. That's all you need. I love it. Oh, I love that ending. I, I knew it ended. Would. Oh, it's great. And and even before I knew, because I knew there was another happy ending, as they call it, before even seeing that disaster filled, just fluffy, nonsensical piece of film garbage. It <laughs> it it's. I, I saw that ends like that. So it's just a badass kind of almost like a hero's exit almost, but not. And it leaves very uncertain, like just an uncertainty. And he's like, screw it. This is what I'm going to do right now. And here we go. Every, and again, it's, it's supposed to set you know, some future films, of course, and really set up some intrigue. I loved it. I thought it ends beautifully. I mean, I took it also as like, you know, the idea that if, if he, if you do think he's a replicant or it could just be that Gaff is like, yeah, run off with her like I dare you. Like, we'll come looking for you again. Kind of that too. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like a world where if he runs off with her, he's a criminal. Doesn't there is no judge jury? Just execute him. Like just retire. So that's how I I assumed a sequel if it had came. You know, in the in the eighties would have been. Obviously, it did not happen until 
33 years later. Well, Indeed. here's a weird thing. Blade Runner's got a lot of almost sequels. Uh, there's an amazing point-and-click game for the computer. Yeah, only on GOG, but yes, it got re-released uh, yes. not too long ago. Oh my god, that oh, I played years. that game when it first came out, and it is just, it's so good. I love it. I put it on my wish list. Oh, the only thing that like I have ever done that was near Blade Runner was I played Snatcher for the show a long ass time ago. Oh, uh, Snatcher. And that's that was that's very inspired by this. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. most like cyberpunky type media draws a lot of water from this movie. And um, you know, rightfully so. It kind of Well, Snatcher well one, it's Kojima, where Kojima just loves to copy movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kojima's oh. also insane, but yeah, is he a, a crazy person? Yeah, and I, I yes. and, and Kojima should not be. Let's just state it here publicly, since I'll probably never be on an episode of anything on this show where Kojima's involved. I doubt you'll have me on for any Metal Gear stuff. Don't well, I don't? <laughs> Kojima oh. should not be should not direct any movies. Please, please don't let Kojima direct any movies. How intolerable would that movie be, Ken? If Kojima directed, like, oh, Metal Gear Solid, the movie or the series, oh, in just no, please don't, please don't. For I would reasons. go see it at one of those fancy theaters with the restaurants. I would get <laughs> so drunk, oh. and I would have the time of my life. Listen, some of my fondest film-going memories is I live in Austin, Texas, as it's well known, I guess, at this point now. For those who listen to the show, it, <laughs> it should be at this point. I mean, I'm not trying to make myself sound fancy, but I meant reference it. And we have the Alamo Draft House here in Austin, which is exactly that. It's a movie theater where you get pick, you know, you select a seat online and there's food and booze and craft beer or craft cocktails. And boy oh boy, some of my finest film going experiences are like watching a long ass movie and getting completely drunk. I remember one time I had to watch Captain America. Uh, I watched Captain America. I was doing film reviews at the time. It was the first one. I go into Captain America and watching it, and it's like, yeah, this is great. And I got I had like two or three beers beforehand at the bar because it was like a 9.30 showing. I had two or three more at the actual showing. I walk out of there smiling. I don't know how I got home. And then the next morning, I'm like, oh, crap. I don't remember what happened in this movie. What happened? I think I mentioned this in the Captain America yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. And I had to write a review. Like The review was due like that day. Like I had to like get it in by like noon. And I, I was like looking online, like spoiler websites. I seriously, I had no idea what happened. I'm, I just completely <laughs> oblivious. It was the most generic review I probably ever wrote in my life. Like, sure, it's fine. It's a fun-filled romp. Hey, it's my, hey it was my number one in in the ranking we did a while ago. Drunk movie watching. I am, I am, I am. I'm almost three years sober now. And uh, I do miss drunk movie drinking in the theater. It's a really fun experience. <laughs> I can't do it because I'm always driving, so I never drink anywhere but home. So I don't, yeah. I don't get to enjoy. I, I never really because I, I also hate Ubers. I hate paying for stuff when I could just drive. Don't do that when you're drinking, though. Please don't. No, no, I don't. I just, I don't drink. I'm not saying you do. I'm just, just. Oh check. yeah, no. In general, like, yeah, no, I, I very careful with that. There's been a couple moments where I, I have drank too much, but, <laughs> but, but, but no, I'm very careful about it. All right, any last things that we should say about the movie before we go on a shelf stacker box? Oh, yes. The the sequels. Like, we already talked about oh, yeah. Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about the anime Blade Runner Black Lotus. It is, that just came out in 2022, I think, or 2021. 2021, yeah. Any good? I don't know. I haven't <laughs> watched it. 
Fantastic. Well, that sounds like something we may have to explore. I am curious to do more now, like, because I'm definitely going to do the sequel at some point because I feel like I should probably just watch that movie anyway. So There are also three short films that preceded Blade Runner 2049. One is an anime, two are live action. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And they're just little short films that, like, led up into Blade Runner 2049. There are three sequel books oh. written by K.W. Jeter, a friend of Philip K. Dick, who wrote three authorized Blade Runner novels that continue Deckard's story. That's that cool. Blade Runner 2, The Edge of Human, Blade Runner 3, Replicant Knight, and Blade Runner 4, I and Talon. Oh, I wonder if those are canon with 2049 or those were canon before 2049 was, you know. Well, the last book was published in 2000, so. Probably not. Yeah. I'm guessing. Okay, that's cool. At all, and I, I do want to, one joke that I didn't make yet, but I wanted to make that the original, like the book that this is based off of is called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I completely understand why they didn't go with that title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like something would have been lost there. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked. I think as I, I think said, now, on the, maybe in yeah. the 2000, you could get away with a title like that. Yeah. That's, that's some real film festival type stuff right there. Okay. Like, that's, oh, yeah. that's some real, you know, yeah. That's like South by Southwest matinee show. Yes. That I, that is, I am preparing for South by as we speak. And that's exactly what I thought. That is a South by Southwest one o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday uh, yep. showing uh, for sure. So that's very, uh, that's very apropos. Yeah, no, uh, it doesn't uh, fit on a movie poster very well. So we just call Blade Runner. And uh, sounds like something next to Star Wars, Star Trek, Blade Runner, yeah, sci-fi. It's too movie. bad that this movie didn't do well. We would have had, you know, especially with Harrison Ford, we would have had more. I don't even know. I don't think we need it, though. I say that's what I love about these movies, where yeah. it's okay. okay for things to not be a franchise. Again, everything has to be a franchise. They tried to make, didn't they try to make like Universal make like a a, a cinematic universe of the old like Frankenstein and yeah, the it worked out really well. The there's funny. a there's a poster of all the people together that are going to be in those movies. You know what? All right, that's it. I'm throwing on the glove right now. We're doing 2017's The Mummy, the one with Tom Cruise. Yeah. And I'm going to defend the hell out of it. Never seen it. I've never game. seen it either. I've never seen it. I, uh, I, I, my wife had the mummy on the original Brendan Fraser of the mummy. Um, and I forgot how great movie. I forgot how delightful that movie is. <laughs> I was, was, critical. was that the only it's movie delightful. we got out of that proposed universe? And was just that one mummy movie. No, uh, Frankenstein movie too. Wasn't it? I don't know. There, there, there was a, a whole big a thing they were going to do, and then they just dropped. I don't oh, know why they dropped yeah, the ball. The Del Toro. Yes. The Del Toro Wolfman. Yes. It was a did they both not do good then? No, they both did not do good they at all. Well. Okay. I mean. It's just really sad because the Tom Cruise mummy one, like everybody was comparing it to the Brendan Fraser movie. It's not that movie. It was never supposed to be that movie. But yeah, it's, it's a different. I mean, I. I know there's a really good game for it called Money Mummy Demastery, which I have on Steam. <laughs> Never yeah. got to. But I'm curious. I like Tom Cruise and for the most part, so I, I've been curious about that movie. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked in that movie. I'm surprised he let that happen. Dude, he gets fucked up in so many movies. It's yeah, great. I, <laughs> I know he's not a good person, but... We should good. cover all the Mission Impossible movies. I have uh, thought about that many times on this show. Have I'm you busy. really? I mean, I, I like them fine. I, mean, fine. I think I've seen oh. a few of them. I oh, can't. I've... I have them all on Blu-ray. I watch them multiple times a year. Wow. First one is really good. First one is really good. The second one is really not good. 
but and then after that they just get better somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Three, five, I rewatched four. I've never seen five. I think there's oh. six out already. At this yep. Moment. Six is out now. Seven is coming out this year. I think in theaters. I think is eight going to be the last one. You think? I don't know. I don't think the last one's going to happen. I don't think we're ever going to get a last one until Tom Cruise kills himself doing a stunt. Or when he goes up to the great Scientology in the in the in the sky somewhere. I think that's the only way we're never getting another Mission Impossible movie is if he dies doing a stunt for one. Okay. Yes. Or 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 cleansing the last of his thetans so he can get the highest enlightenment. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> that that'll be the other side of it too. Let's go. I think we should go to Shellstacker Box. Yeah, that's a good idea. We're ranting about Tom Cruise. It's time to go there. So, all right, I'll go first. We'll start with the negative first. I'm going to put this in the box because I didn't enjoy this movie during my watch. I was bored. I rewatched it a second time. I was still bored. I mean, it's a great movie, but it wasn't for me. I'm going to try to watch it again at some point, but it just it didn't click for me. And I'm a little bummed about that, but it could just be because of everything built around it. So it's going in the box, but I'm very glad that we covered it. And I'm very glad people voted for it because I really need to see this damn movie. Like. I should have seen this ages ago. I couldn't. I'm actually surprised. Like some of the movies I've never seen, like Back to the Future, I never saw all the way through until we did it for the show, which is not out yet at the time you're hearing this, but it comes out soon. <laughs> and what about you, Bill? You know, this is this is this is a borderline shelf, and I'm gonna put this on the shelf. But this could easily go in a stack. But the only reason it's going on the shelf is because I really do want to watch this again, and I can see myself watching this a number of times. Like I said, just to really dive into that richness that I'm sure washed over me the first time around. Um, so. Just for that fact that I wouldn't want to dig through a stack of DVDs to find it. They'd kind of put it on that shelf and have it there. And I'm sure I'll get like the really cool collector's edition with the 18 things on it and the, the, the steel case or whatever else is on it. It'll look badass on my shelf anyway. It's a borderline shelf, but I, I am going to put it on that um, on that high mark. Okay. And what about you, Ken? Oh, yeah. It's shelf for me. Okay. Absolutely shelf. I actually like to watch this movie whenever I'm thinking about uh, humanity, like what it means to be human. I do think about that more often than you would think. Hmm. No, I, I know you well enough. I can go with that. Yeah, I, I, I get philosophical sometimes and I start having an existential crisis and I'll throw this movie on. Should I tell you that I enjoyed Ghost in the Shell 2017 more than I enjoyed this movie? Uh, I still haven't seen Ghost Rider 2017. Or I, Ghost I saw it for one reason in theater, so. Uh, was the Scarlett Johansson, Mike? Yes, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only reason I went to go see that movie. I have it. I just haven't watched it. Okay. I want to watch it again because I'm curious what I'll think. Okay. Yeah. So that's about, that's about what I said. You know, that's good. I, I thought I was going to, when I first, I thought I was going to put this on the shelf too originally, but I just can't because I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> so no one would ever want you to put a movie that you didn't actually enjoy in the ranking system. That doesn't yeah. matter, but yes, <laughs> it matters. Hey, there is a guy, one of uh, one of one of the friends of the show, a friend of mine, who's putting, who's trying to make a, a spreadsheet of putting everything, how we rank everything. Hopefully, that will be a thing where I'll see we'll have a ranking I can like look at and send to people. Doing the Lord's work, I I I, I can't imagine that. That's a lot of episodes. And, yeah, I, uh, I told him, me, on him once he makes a thing, I'll start doing it too. It could be one of my projects I do in my doubt. Like I just I like projects, so keep me focused on things. Oh, boy, I couldn't do it. All right. And, oh, and for the next Patreon for what's currently coming, is going to be Scarlett Johansson movies I haven't seen <laughs> to follow with that. Uh, so it'll be forward to, or actually, that poll is just ending at the point. If you're still hearing this, the poll, if you hear this today, it should be out. That poll is just, you have hours to go vote in that poll for a dollar on the Patreon. Otherwise, the next poll that's going to go down is Marvel movies that Mike has never seen. So there are a few. 
So I'm going to try to stick, but that's going to be my goal this whole year is to try to make polls that are all movies I've never seen before. Oh, please tell me the original Captain America is on that list. <laughs> no, of course not. I don't want to. I've seen it, actually, by the way. Oh, damn it. With Salinger, I have seen both those movies. I love that movie. Uh, it's Daredevil, Fanta- Daredevil 2003, Fantastic Four 2016, Punisher Warzone, Hulk 2003, and Elektra 2005. I've never seen any of those. Yeah, I didn't want to put Morbius on there because I just want the older ones. <laughs> and I don't want to watch any of them for the record. So, yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. so all, <laughs> all for your listeners, all, all for your listening audience. Yeah, well, I mean, they're also movies I really should have seen by now, to be honest with you. You know, it's your podcast. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Well, I, I like making polls. And it, it's more of like, I, I feel like I like this movie, for example, like, you know, the last thing I kind of want to say, like, this was a movie that I felt that I should have seen and I would not have watched. But because I put it on a poll and people voted for it, I got to cover it. I watched it. I'm happy I watched it. I might not enjoy the movie a whole lot, but I'm really glad that I finally saw it. And I'm assuming that I'll enjoy the sequel more because that's a modern movie. Oh, for plus sure. Ryan Gosling's in it. and He's good. Yeah. Oh, yes. He's rather good. And it was, it's something to be said for, for our for audiences and yeah, I do things for audiences too. I, you know, I think there's something nice about that. We it shows appreciation for for the people who listen to us and to who spend their time checking out our stuff. As a matter of fact, uh, if if are we are we are we wrapping up now? Like, yeah, we're trying okay. to. I'm trying to slowly. But I will. Talking. I will facilitate that by talking about my show. And I think I'm announcing this. So as, this is coming out tomorrow. You think? Hopefully, hopefully, okay. it's coming out this week. I can guarantee you it will be out this week. So my podcast entitled A Gamer Looks at 40, about a year and a half ago, I put out a poll and I said, hey, what would you like? What kind of large series would you like me to do? Like first large series and Legend of Zelda, of course, won that poll, which is why I'm now almost done with the Legend of Zelda series after six months of doing it. That's, that's <laughs> it's a been long time. six months. I, it's, <laughs> it is over on uh, April 3rd is the last episode, the finale. And I think I'm going to announce what the new series is going to be here on your show, Mike. Now, if you listen, if you if you listen to my podcast, I have a state of the state of the state of the show address coming out on Wednesday, March 1st. I announce it there. So if you get this out tomorrow, you will be the first. <laughs> um, I am pleased to announce that in about July, I'll be doing Final Fantasy. Okay. Final Fantasy is the next big series because in that poll of uh, Legend of Zelda won by one vote. So I knew basically once I'm done with Zelda, I got to do Final Fantasy. So um, if you like Final Fantasy and you have a lot of fondness and stories about that particular series, oh, yes. I'm going to start interviewing for it probably next month after I South can talk majority of them. So, yeah, yeah, there's a few I got to play. I learned learned the hard way this time around. So <laughs> getting those walkthroughs out, blowing through Final Fantasy on a few of those. Uh, hey, Pixel Remaster. So, other, yep, other, other ways to play them, too. So indeed. Yes. But yeah, so if you like story, uh, podcasts that, you know, niche podcasts that allow people to tell their stories about the video games that impacted their lives and sometimes just shoot the breeze about the games that uh, that impacted us and made a mark, a gamer looks at 40 on Twitter is where you're going to go to find the, the hub for all that fun stuff. All right. And if you want to support the show, I did mention the Patreon. You'll see a link in the show notes. Check that out. We have a Discord. You can join us and talk with us. You'll see a link in the show notes for the Discord. And want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasfer. You can follow her on TikTok and tell her I sent you. And if you, and please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. You can get all our stuff is on there. So definitely go check that out. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. So long.